In preparation for hearing the word read and proclaimed, let us pray from Psalm 19. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I once heard that the difference between a living God and a false God, you know, all our false idols, the difference is that only a living God, only the living God, can surprise us. Well, today we hear another story of Easter, of that day when God surprised even death. Another story of God's Easter surprise guiding disciples from despair toward celebration. The story is in the final chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and right before it is that Gospel's depiction of the scene at the tomb. Now, in Luke's telling, Jesus does not appear there, but the women carry a message from the angels to Jesus' disciples, and Peter's amazement is noted. And thus, the great unexpectedness of Easter is launched. Now, in today's text, hours have passed, and we see that anything but lingering in a cemetery, Jesus is taking his great good news on the road. This is Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 13. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. And then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know about the things that have taken place there? What things? Well, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place, and moreover, some of the women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. So some of us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. And then Jesus said, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village where they were going, Jesus walked ahead as if going on, but they urged him strongly, stay with us because it is almost evening and the day is now ending. And so he went in to stay with them. 
When he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us as we were on the road with him, as he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and their companions gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road, and how Jesus had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love that story. It's found only in Luke, and it uses two classic Luke devices, a journey and a meal. And I've always tended to be drawn to the meal. I love that moment when Jesus is made known to them in the breaking of the bread. That's what I hope always happens in communion. But right now, I'm feeling that we are more on a journey with God than sitting at a feast with God. And so I'm going to focus on that first part of the text, when Jesus walks and talks his disciples through the greatest Bible study ever. We, of course, don't know which scriptures Jesus focused on in his survey of Moses and all the prophets, but his purpose is to highlight how God's history of unexpectedness just blazes across scripture. The God who surprises on that first Easter is also the God who has been surprising through all eternity. The didn't-have-to-happen creation of life itself, the out-of-nowhere calling of Abraham and Sarah, the who'd-have-believed-it provisioning of Joseph, the identity-making adventures of the Exodus from the law in Deuteronomy to the poetry of Isaiah. Unexpected grace, unexpected goodness, unexpected God. And now, Jesus. Unexpected birth, unexpected ministry of healing and teaching and feeding all those unexpected people, unexpected miracles from turning water into wine at a party to forgiving those who nailed him to the cross. And now, unexpected resurrection because this unexpected God with us is always for us. All this litany of unexpectedness brings to mind the most eventful Bible study I have ever been a part of. It was while I was serving as chaplain at a retirement community, and the social worker asked if I would spend some time with Seth, this cantankerous elderly widower whose family was all gone, and as the only Jewish member of the community, he was feeling very isolated. So I went and introduced myself. I know who you are. He had this raspy voice. And I'll do Bible study with you. But we're going to study my Bible. Okay, uh, just don't uh, overestimate my Hebrew. Oh, well, if you can't hack it in Hebrew, we'll keep to English. But I'm going to be bringing in a bunch of other stuff, too, because you might as well know 
I'm a conspiracy theorist. Okay. Seth took Marta Mobility all over town, to the temple, to Emory, to the downtown public library, checking out books, Xeroxing pages, highlighting paragraphs. He was way more prepared than I was. I mean, he showed up with manuscripts, literally, from Mesoamerica to Mesopotamia. He started with Job. All these ancient cultures have some guy who gets slammed for no good reason. The next week, Noah's flood. All these ancient cultures have floods. I mean, it's like it used to rain all the time. The next week, Genesis 1 and 2. All these ancient cultures have creation stories. I mean, gods are always creating universes. But the thing is, most gods create by dueling with other gods or, or making out with other gods. Only the God of Israel creates just with words. I said, I'd never thought of that. And he said, oh, I got a lot of other stuff you never thought of. And since Easter's coming up, how about we talk about your guy, Jesus? Okay. Again, Marta Mobility, multiple libraries, Xeroxes, highlighters. We met on our appointed bench as Seth avidly laid out all the inconsistencies between the four Gospels, working his way eventually to the crucifixion. Here, your guy Jesus says this on the cross, but here he says this and then the tomb. So just which women were actually there? And then the resurrection. All the ancient cultures used to have resurrections. I mean, gods are getting resurrected all the time. They die and then come back to life so that they can have more powers or more goodies or whatever. But here's the thing, only your guy Jesus does it for other people. Yeah. That is the nature, the magnitude, the unexpectedness of God's surprises. And so, in this unexpected time, I think about what God-given surprises are waiting just down the road for Morningside Presbyterian Church. I think of Emma, who has spectacularly navigated two plus years of seriously unexpected work at Morningside. And you gotta wonder at her prophetic gifts, given that months before we'd ever heard of COVID-19, she had started recording podcasts as an innovative augmentation of confirmation class, the class that has ended up having to be held virtually, the class that will be received at a session Zoom meeting. Emma is primed to collaborate with God's ongoing unexpectedness. I marvel that it's been only 14 months 
since we first had weekly time with children. And yet, just last Sunday, the kids of this congregation led us in an unforgettable children's Sabbath. Amanda and her throngs of teachers and volunteers are just animated by the unexpected. I hear Joanna Adams noting, Walter Huff kept this church together when there were more people in the choir than there were in the pews. And in this unexpected season, Jonathan and Megan, when she's not running the office, and all of our other musicians are eager and able to keep this church together, even while we are apart. I marvel at how Melinda was already in the building when the preschool needed new leadership. And let me say, her skills are what you need when the unexpected erupts. Beyond the staff, I think of Bill and Cindy Humphreys, who came here saying that they would come on Sunday mornings, but they uh, live too far away to be actively involved. <laughs> I think of Bob Wells and Lloyd Prince, who I bet never guessed their wizardry would be what enables us to worship together. I think of our mission partners and mission volunteers, who will be able to ensure that Morningside can support those hit by this pandemic in ways that most of us can't imagine. I think of deacons and donors, elders, and all you unsung saints. I think of Kurt Barrett, who's ready to roll off of session, but has said he will serve one more year as clerk if it makes it easier for Katie to settle in. And I think of Katie and the PNC's diligent discernment that led them to this pastor so perfectly suited for this congregation. To be sure, all of that is the fruit of human effort. But don't you sense that there's also something else something that didn't result from a committee meeting. None of this had to happen the way it did. All of this is an opportunity to glimpse the unexpectedness of God. Right now, everything feels unexpected. I mean, a church not knowing when it will again be able to worship in the sanctuary? None of us can see round the bend of this road that we are on. But we know that God comes alongside us and walks with us. So, church, I hope you will pray persistently for wisdom and compassion, generosity and patience because more than ever, there is lots to do for those of us who seek to serve the risen Christ. And by the ever surprising grace of God, this congregation is poised to serve this world that God so loves. Church, as Morningside continues to journey together, Give thanks, 
that you are on the road with the living God who surprises again and again and again with unexpected challenges and unexpected grace. That gracious God goes with us all. Thanks be to God. Amen.